0: com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save twenty dollars on the steel ms-162 or ms-170 chainsaw real steel Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Hello, Sunshine. Welcome to a very special live State of the Union here. We are coming to you on uh, the night of Thursday, June 15, in uh, the year 2023. And as I said, we are doing this live, myself and my good friend David Mosse, uh doing the State of the Union. We come uh, a couple minutes after the end of yet another USA versus Mexico game, and yet another win for the U.S. Now, I know that there's a lot of people that are showing up here tonight uh, that want to talk about the bigger story, and I just tweeted that, yes, the rumors about Greg Berhalter returning as coach to the national team, I think, are going to be something that everybody wants to talk about, and we will talk about it, but it does come on the heels also of what has to be said is an absolute ass whooping i mean my goodness there was only one team on the field tonight and so we will talk about the result uh, and the performance and obviously we will talk about the rumored return of greg Burhalter and what that means going forward here what three years away from 2026 i mentioned david Mossey. Uh, who, who, for those of you that listen or watch our State of the Union podcast, and you should be watching it, please subscribe and rate and do all the different things that you do. You know David Mossy. He's a uh, soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how you, how you doing, my friend? Uh, that was an interesting night huh? and an interesting game.
3: It was, yeah. And for me, it started an hour before kickoff because the U.S. lineup came out first. And I cannot remember the last U.S. game where they put out a lineup that had 100% approval rating on Twitter. <laughs> everybody loved the lineup that B.J. Callahan put out. In the absence of Tim Reeman, Tyler Adams, everybody felt like this was the possible, best possible way for him to go. They went with Turner and Gold, Dest and Anthony Robinson, the fullbacks, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, center of defense. McKenney and Musa sitting, Reina as the 10, Pulisic, Weah, and Balogun. And then shortly thereafter, the Mexico lineup comes out, and it was so underwhelming. I know they're missing Chucky Lozano and Tecatito Corona, and then Diego Coca in what I think might be his final <laughs> match as Mexico <laughs> boss, uh, exacerbated the issue by starting Henry Martinez instead of Santi Jimenez. But you looked at the two lineups side by side, and you just felt like there was such a huge gap in talent. And then you think, well, it's a rivalry game, so maybe that'll even it out. You know, all those cliches about yep. rivalries. But no. Uh, it was a match that reflected the difference in quality between the two teams. And I do think, and I said this also after the two octagonal games, that 2-0 U.S. win in Cincinnati and then the 0-0 at Azteca where the U.S. was the better team, we might be crossing a Rubicon in this rivalry where the U.S. might be blowing past Mexico. And I wonder where this rivalry goes, if there's any way back for Mexico, or if the U.S. is going to a place as a soccer nation in terms of the caliber of talents producing that Mexico is just not going to be able to keep up anymore.
2: Well, they need to keep up. And it's not our problem to make Mexico keep up. Now, notwithstanding the cooperation and the partnerships and the continued interaction that we as American soccer and whether it's Major League Soccer or anybody else out there has with it. But that pendulum or we used to talk about the gap. Well, you know, that gap has widened significantly. And to your point, is it to the is it at a place where Mexico can't recover? And I guess more to the point, should I care? And, and I, I, I guess I care. But tonight, it, it, as I said, it never gets old. I, I love every minute of it. Um, was this the best U.S.-Mexico game that we've ever seen? No, but it had all the hall- hallmarks of what I feel is the greatest international rivalry. And that is U.S.-Mexico. And you had red cards and you had people... You know, throwing stuff on the field. I don't, I, listen, I'm not condoning that. Uh, and I'm certainly not condoning the uh, chant. And ultimately, when it comes to El Tree fans, that was all they were left with was the offensive chant that put a stop to the game multiple times, as it should have. But on the field, to your point, Mossy, uh, underwhelming, uh, to say the least, they could not get anything together when it came to possession. They could not get anything together in terms of any type of consistent um, danger uh, that was uh, you know that was put at the foot of uh, of Matt Turner, and on the other side, and I and I don't want to you know say it's all about a crap Mexico team. You play the team that's in front of you, but you know it has to be said, and certainly in that first half, Christian Pulisic was a man possessed. He almost scored one of the great goals in U.S. Uh, men's national team history, and certainly one of the great goals in U.S. Mexico history, and dribbled through basically everybody, and his speed with the ball is, it, it, I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. we watched him enough now, but the, the speed in which he was able to get to the ball, go around the defender and continue on in and did all the hard work. And then the easy thing for at least getting the ball on net, he wasn't able to do that. doesn't matter because he ended up scoring again. And his run for his, uh, for his second goal was absolutely phenomenal. He passed everybody, including Balogun, we'll talk about it in a second. And Tim Weah doing what he does so well over there on the right-hand side. Uh was wonderful. Yes, there were red cards. And yes, this U.S. team is going to not have some important players like Weston McKinney for this final. And sometimes we forget that there actually is another game, by the way, against our friends from the North, Canada, who uh, completely destroyed Panama. So, you know, all in all, this is a an amazing and and just a this is such a typical American soccer night with all of these crazy things kind of going on on and off the field from a competitive standpoint. This is chef's kiss. I will take it. I don't care how it ultimately happens. There was all the ugliness and all the craziness that goes on when you have these games. But ultimately, there was also some really good soccer and some really good performances, not the least of which was the man that you want to have good performances. And that is uh, Christian Pulisic.
3: You know, your brother, Greg Lalas, uh, yes. asked an interesting question on Twitter. It's the smartest question I've ever seen a Lalas ask. <laughs> um, he said, when Tyler Adams comes back, who comes out of this lineup? Listen, it's a good problem to have. The U.S. has more starting caliber players than they have starting spots at this point. But the reality is, when you plug Adams back in, I think it has to be one of McKinney, Reina, or Weah who has to come out. Um, so, I mean, that, that's going to be an interesting call for... Uh, The new manager who we're going to talk about in a minute is actually the old manager.
2: So, I mean, let's let's make the call, because I I think I would have said in this moment, um, if this is a, you know, let's say a World Cup game, that you have to win. I I think that Gio Reyna is coming out. Uh, And I think because there was some talk about, okay, what you do is actually take Weya out and Gio Reyna goes to the right. But I still don't think that Gio Reyna has put his mark on this team where he is. Vital to be starting for this team. And and look, these like you said, these are good problems to have. And I love way because I think he provides such a different look relative to usually it's Christian Pulisic over there on that left hand side. I mean, I guess in a strange way, you know, not, notwithstanding what Christian Pulisic did tonight. The way that he has been playing and the troubles that he has had from a club a club perspective, he might even be the one that comes out. But you're not taking him out. So, yeah, I would have taken uh, Gio out and I would have had Tyler Adams in if that was the question as to take one person out. And I will say this
3: lineup with Reyna as the 10 and just two central midfielders, it works against inferior teams, which I guess is what we're calling Mexico now. Yep. But yep. against the elite teams. You wonder if the U.S. would be outnumbered in the midfield because when you lose the ball, Reyna is not really an authentic third midfielder that's going to work really hard to win the ball back. So (laughs) you're really asking a lot of whoever those two are, some combination of Adams, McKinney or musa if that's the way you decided to go.
2: Yeah. Um, All right. Listen, uh, we're we're not we're not burying the lead. But is is there other stuff? I mean, I, I think this U.S. team has to feel confident even losing some players confident going and 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 not for nothing but you know you're putting ricardo pepe in and you're putting aronson in and so the depth of this team also really showed it wasn't just that the starting 11 is so much better than mexico it was also everything that was coming off of the bench and that also builds well for a final against canada because like we said you're going to be missing uh some uh some players and you know we'll we'll talk about that When we get there, anything else on this game that you want to talk about? I do want to take a couple questions because I know people, uh, people tune in to ask questions. So before we move on to the Burhalter thing, let me take a few questions. Anything, Mossy, that you want to finish up with here, though?
3: Well, just on Balogun, I thought he was nothing spectacular, but a a solid debut. You could see what a difference it is having that caliber of player up there to occupy the center backs. Every run he makes, he, he drags players away because the, the defenders have to respect him. And, you know, he did, he did quote-unquote, earn the Cesar Montes red card by tracking back, winning the ball, and then getting absolutely whacked. Uh, so he did make a contribution there, although Weston ended up getting sent off himself in that melee. But I thought, overall, a solid start for Balogun. Better things to come from him, but uh, nothing wrong for, for a first time.
2: Uh, I mean, yes, in that he didn't do anything bad, but I don't also think that he did anything that makes him shine above and beyond anything else that we have seen. And so the the search continues and it's not fair, just one game. So we are going to see him in more in more games. But I guess the jury is still out when it comes to Balogun. And I think that's uh, I, I think that's fair, especially after uh, after this game. And, you know, you saw Ricardo Pepe come in and he probably feels a little aggrieved with the whole situation. And so maybe he light a little fire and obviously he came in, took his goal really, really well. Remember he, that train was going for a while there and then kind of went off the, uh, the track. So this is a good thing. If it's lighting a fire under others and there is that competition, that's a good thing. But Balogun certainly has to do more than ultimately we saw this game. And like I said, it's a little unfair. Your first game ever, brand new camp, all the changes that are going, uh, going on. But I like the fact that BJ put him in and start him in this game.
3: And by the way, thank God for VAR, but what a terrible blown call by that linesman. Uh, right? to, what was he to, thinking? Uh, <laughs>
2: they're, called, they're called assistant referees, Mossy. Uh, Good God. Would you just get into 2023? God, it's just embarrassing. Uh Let's go over and how about we hear Eric Heggie. Let's see what Eric Heggie has to say. Eric, you are on uh, a special State of the Union Live with myself and David Mossy. So unmute yourself or forever hold your peace and then you can speak uh, you almost there i can see your lights almost off it's almost there it is eric you there what's up yes no maybe so how we doing yes eric hey you were there I, I heard you it was so close we were so close yes no going once going twice all right man circle back around like an airplane that just uh you know had to abort the landing and uh We'll come back to you. Let's try this again with somebody else. Let's see who else wants to uh, talk. There we go. Let's go around. By the way, if you do want to talk, you hit that little button. That little blue light shows up. That indicates to me that uh, you definitely want to talk. So, you know, you'll, uh, you'll go up here. Logan. Let's see what Logan has to say. Logan, uh, you are going to come on, and maybe this will work. Let's see. Logan, you there? Yeah, hey, it works. Yeah, I got you. Hey, question for you. Does yeah, it's it working. Defensively...
4: Oh, feels so much better than it has in the past what do you think has really been the biggest contributing factor to that
2: um <clears throat> well look uh, as mossy said you know when everything is going well you have the moments like we saw with Sergio Des, and i know ultimately <laughs> it, it ended in a red card but him flying forward and doing what he does best only happens when the team is feeling good when the team has a lot of the ball i do i mean i love the return of miles robinson we talked a lot about him and this was this was a guy that was penned in to start in the World Cup. And if not for that horrible injury, uh, you know, that that would have been at least one of the center backs without it, without a doubt. And so that he's back is great. I think he brings a solidity. Chris Richards wasn't really tested. at Nobody was really tested here. So I think defensively, I think they we looked solid defensively today relative to the opponent. And I know that's that's a little harsh on the defense. Matt Turner did make the save that he needed to make. And obviously kept the clean sheet. But I think we looked solid because we knew right from the beginning of the first whistle that we were going to be on the forefront and that we were going to have lots of ball. And we would be able to put pressure on Mexico and even high pressure at different times when they were trying to come out of the back. Mossy?
3: Yeah, I like this center back pairing of Chris Richards and Miles Robinson. But I don't think they were tested enough tonight uh, to really draw too many conclusions. Uh, but moving forward, I obviously you're going to be adding Tim Ream and Cameron Carter Vickers into the mix. So... That's if those four guys can stay healthy, that's probably your quartet moving forward and be interested to see what emerges as the starting combination from those four. All
5: right, let's take another question. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest Home Services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house. Whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool with over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your
2: trusted ally in home services. Question, and then we'll uh, go, Logan, let's see what Logan has to say here. Logan, 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 Logan. One more question here and then we'll... Dig into the meat of uh, Mr. Burhalter, and the uh, the rumors out there, Logan. You there? Unmute yourself, my friend. There we go. Good. Yeah. I mean, can, you, can you hear me? Yeah. What What's up? Um. So I
5: I saw reports earlier from I guess it was a couple of days ago that Patrick Vieira has interest in the job, but mm-hmm. are they not going to talk to him, or did they talk to him and not like what he said? Like why jump back to Burhalter? So quick,
2: right. right. Okay. well, I guess I guess this is as good a time as any to uh, to move on and talk about this uh, going right now. and I, I appreciate it, Logan. I know you and and many others want to uh, want to discuss this. And I think Dougie Max on uh, too, we might bring him up here in a second uh, to kind of get into this conversation. So uh, for those that either didn't watch or are not on Twitter and uh, not following this and you're just joining us, well, welcome. That's pretty cool. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. I think most of us have seen the news that has come out. Um, with uh, Paul Tenorio and um, The Athletic reporting that Greg Burhalter is set to return and reascend to his position as the head coach. That's the rumor right now. Nothing has been ultimately said from US soccer, but, uh, and I haven't looked at Twitter here because I'm concentrating on this, but that's the rumor. And let's just go as if this, you know, where there's smoke, there is fire. And there's a lot of different people incredible people that are reporting on this and so let's just kind of game play this out mossy right so here we are we're sitting in june of 2023 and we have been you know six months removed from the last of we saw of greg Burhalter as the head coach of the u.s national team ah, in in those six months we all know the drama that has ensued which is the reason why because by all accounts All right. This was a fait accompli. This was a done deal. He was going to continue on as the head coach following the World Cup. And certainly there are people that agree with that, disagree with it, like Greg, don't like Greg. I think in totality, if you look at everything that he did, he uh, it can absolutely be justified for him to have continued on and to, quote unquote, deserve to continue on. I am and have long been of the opinion that coaches should not have multiple cycles. And I was that, of that opinion even when it came to Greg Burhalter following what I think is a successful, very successful, and historically and statistically successful run as the national team coach. But then all the craziness came out, and then all the drama came out, and I changed my opinion. And I will readily admit and raise my hand that it was relative to what I felt was right and what i felt was fair and what i felt i was seeing was a good man being wronged and i don't like to see that i don't think that that is what the united states soccer federation should ultimately represent i don't think that that is what america should ultimately represent and i know i'm talking much more big picture and i know i'm getting romantic about it i know there's a lot of people listening and say yeah but it's just about winning and getting the best person for the job. Well. If this is to be believed, this rumor, then obviously the United States Soccer Federation and those in charge believe that he is the best person uh, for the job. And having gone through six months, including an investigation uh, in uh, when it comes to Greg Berhalter and all of the shenanigans and craziness that happened behind the scene with the Reynas and uh, by their own. uh, uh, by, uh, by their own account, having interviewed many, many, uh, coaches, maybe Patrick Vieira, maybe we'll find out ultimately who got interviewed, but oftentimes you don't necessarily know, but the Federation has been pretty open, uh, with the fact that they have gone about a process and one that let's be honest was probably much more robust given, uh, the last time around and that they've come right back around to Greg Berhalter. You know, I saw, Uh, Clint Dempsey on on air tonight, and I'm sure others that kind of seem flabbergasted that this has happened, but it makes kind of sense to me. I'm 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 not happy that it took this long, but I get why it ultimately took this long, because you had to go through this whole process because of the craziness and the disgusting things that ultimately happened, and so that I can understand. Have we wasted six months? I think the Federation would probably say no, because we went, we did our due diligence and we talked to other people. And we still came back around to the conclusion that what we had intended to do all along was the right thing. But now they're fortified with six months. Well, not six months, but certainly fortified with a whole lot more uh, information than they had. And they got to feel probably pretty good about what they did to get this. That's not going to satisfy people that don't like Greg Berhalter. That's not going to satisfy people out there that think that we should have, quote unquote, aimed higher. And that's certainly not going to satisfy people that think that we should have just done that six months ago. And now that we have we have wasted six, uh, six months. So if this ends up being the case tomorrow, Massey, I, I am okay with it. And in a certain way, because of what I said, it, for lack of a better word, it, it restores my faith in, in in humanity and what is ultimately decent. I don't know, Mossy, what do you think about this if this ends up being true?
3: I am absolutely shocked. I have to eat crow because I said several times on the podcast last few months that while they kept insisting that greg berhalter was still a candidate he really wasn't there was no chance he was going to get rehired um and for me once ernie stewart and brian mcbride left the picture and then you brought in a total outsider and matt crocker an englishman that you got from southampton i thought there was no chance that uh, it, all that to me signaled a fresh start going in a different direction and the fact that they've circled all the way back around to rehiring greg Burhalter. I am absolutely stunned at this news. And it, it was a crazy last 24 hours in Greg Berhalter world because there were reports he was definitely going to be the Club America coach and was <laughs> headed to Mexico to agree to that deal. And then last night you started hearing, no, he pulled out of that because he started to get wind that he was going to be the, the U.S. coach. And but so- I, don't,
2: I don't think the Club America thing had anything to do ultimately if this choice has been made. I, I don't think – I think that's a red herring. I, I really don't think that that – forced anybody's hand or, uh, you know, I, I know that Kate Abdo was, was talking about that to, uh, tonight on the broadcast. Let's bring Doug McIntyre in because he's always kind of in the know about what's going on. And I like to pick his brain about stuff, whether he's you know breaking news or not. He has uh, his finger on the pulse of what is going on. And, you know, I like to I like to listen. Uh, I like to listen to that. Doug, you there? Uh, where'd he go? Okay, maybe maybe he's gone. Maybe he'll come back around. If he comes back around, because I know he's uh, I know he's working. All right. If Doug's not going to be here, then uh, let's go over to who should we talk to? How about? Okay, he's got to do on a uh, Doug's telling telling us he has to jump on a presser.
3: You know, the man's a busy man. Okay, here we well, go. Well, we had a window there, and you didn't go to him.
2: So. I know. I'm sorry, Russell. And I, you know, I was spouting off. Russell Smith. Let's see if Russell Smith can come up here and dazzle us with something when it comes to this. Uh, this saga that appears to be ending, if rumors are to be believed. Russell, there? I'm
4: here. Lex, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good, my friend. I'm good. Uh, did you watch the game first? Uh, yeah, I watched a Telemundo uh, okay. stream over there. Not bilingual, okay. but well, uh, I mean, it's, it's exciting.
2: I'm assuming it was the same game and the same <laughs> ultimate score, right? Yeah, so,
4: yes. <laughs> Interestingly enough, okay. it, it was the same in Spanish as in English. But. Good. Trey Cicero. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. What, uh, what do you want to talk well, about? Well, I did get to see some of the Paramount halftime show in... Was curious to your guys' take. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot more about it than most of us, being as plugged in as you are. But uh, one of the players, I'm not sure, uh, the gentleman, not not Deuce, the other guy on the set there, was Charlie yeah, Davis. Yeah, he was basically saying that he thinks that there are major budgetary restrictions here, and that it's a situation where U.S. soccer does not want to be in a situation where they're paying the men's coach substantially more than the women's coach. And that just kind of boggled my mind, you know, with, I I realized that's the world we live in to some extent, but it's our golden generation going into their primes and we're hosting the world cup in four years. Um, I just, please tell me Lexi that that's not going to be a factor in deciding who ultimately coaches this team for the next four years.
2: Uh, no, I mean, I don't know what Charlie, I don't know what the hell Charlie was talking about, <laughs> to be quite honest Thank with you. you. Uh, you know, dude, no, look, uh, I mean, in general, obviously, it's been very, very public, you know, the fight for equity and equality when it comes to the women's national team and a lot of the monies that have been looked at and have been changed. And obviously, uh, they're on a, a new pathway going forward. You know, having said that, there is a marketplace for coaches out there. And uh, yes, uh, in the men's game, coaches are paid a whole lot more than in the women's game. But the United States Soccer Federation is also in the market for coaches, and they're not just going to pay other coaches ridiculous amounts of money. And it's not—I'm not saying that it's ridiculous that they should make that, but it's ridiculous relative to what the market will bear. They're not just going to do that. Uh, you know, if you know, the the bigger obstacle, I would think, would be. If a Mourinho or somebody of his ilk wanted to coach the U.S. men's national team, you know, we, everybody would get excited and this would you know, be a good thing. I don't know if it would be a good thing, but ultimately everyone would be, be excited. I mean, they're talking, you're talking eight figures probably. So is the United States Soccer Federation going to spend $10 million on a coach? It's not because, you know, we, we're not going to spend it on, on this coach because we have to spend it someplace else or we, or because then when we hire a women's coach we have to spend 10 million dollars on it. I think if they if they felt that that was appropriate and they believed that this was going to take them to the promised land that they would do that. And because that coach commands eight figures, they would uh, they would go and do it. But I also think that from a budgetary perspective, they would look at it and say, "No, that's not fiscally responsible for us to do." So I don't think you know, I, I don't know what again, what Charlie was talking about in terms of this compare and contrast with the women's team. And I'm not saying that people don't talk about that or that isn't part of a conversation that goes on with what's happening. But I don't think in any way, shape, or form, that had anything to do ultimately with you know this hiring or anybody else. now, w- would Greg Burhalter and his wages? Uh, would would that be something that the United States Soccer Federation could accommodate? Yes, they've done it before, and they certainly could do it again. I think that they would just look at an eight-figure type of coach as beyond the pale when it comes to what they are willing to spend, but not because of what they would then, you know, the way Charlie was framing it, would then theoretically have to spend for a, a woman's coach or anything like that. No, that, that uh, I don't think that has anything to, anything to do with it. So, you know, ultimately, I think that if it is Greg Berhalter, it's because... Uh, it's because that Crocker believed that this was the best person for the job and that they could afford him, all right? And and if that's the way, if that's the way they're going, fine. And Mr. Crocker is going to stand up, and I'm sure that if this happens, he will explain, this is what we went through. And we talked to X number of people, and I took this much time. And when I sat down with Greg, this is what we talked about. And I guarantee if this happens, he's going to probably say something like, It became readily apparent that this was a this was a gentleman who had put in place something that lives and breathes now, even though he's not there. It became readily apparent that this group of players believed in the process that had been put in place. It became readily apparent that this was the person to lead us into 2026 because he had already laid a foundation and I didn't need to have someone start from scratch. I'm just I mean, I think that's ultimately what he is going to say. If ultimately we find out tomorrow that he has hired Greg Berhalter.
4: Well, that's uh, sets my mind at <laughs> a little bit here. <laughs> um, one, one other thing I'll get off of here. Uh, appreciate your time. Sure. What, I, I saw the note where uh, I guess Jesse Marsh, through his agent, was and uh, thrown out that he's no longer a candidate for the job. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing that the Bar, Berhalter news is tied to that in in some way, but just what were your thoughts on, on Marsh and, and his future? And, uh, you know, would he have been a good candidate this time around? Could he be a good candidate? Yeah, I would have
2: had, I would have had no problem with Jesse Marsh. Uh, and and I, I do think that whatever advantage, I mean, look, Greg Berhalter certainly had a disadvantage going through that, that craziness, but the advantage that he had is that he already has an established reputation and relationship with the players that are there, and I don't think it's any coincidence that in the last couple of weeks we have seen players come out in support of Greg Berhalter. And as I said, the pathway had already been kind of laid by Greg uh, by Greg Berhalter. That's not to say that Jesse Marsh or anybody else couldn't couldn't have come in and picked that up right where he left off and continued on uh, down the pathway. But you know, I think that they felt like this is this is a guy that has done what they believe are really good things and that it's not done yet. I don't know. I appreciate it, Russell. Thanks. Mossy. anything to add? Well, on Jesse Marsh, uh, he keeps getting linked to some pretty
3: good European club jobs. So he never seemed that into the U.S. thing because I I still think he wants to redeem himself for this Leeds United experience. And he thinks that there's a market for him in Europe. And he'd prefer to do that right now and maybe circle back to the U.S. national team at a different point in his career. Do you see it differently?
2: don't think for a second that Jesse Marsh wouldn't have taken the U S men's national team. And, and, and again, this is not just coaching the U S men's national team. This is coaching the U S men's national team at what is going to be a seminal moment, a historic moment. And as Jesse is an American, as, uh, um, as great Berhalger is American, it, it's that much more special to be able to do it at this moment and to say that you are the coach at a home world cup. And look, you're, you're, talking to someone here I, I saw the power of a world cup played at home and the pride that comes with it and the special responsibility that comes with it and whether it's jesse marsh uh or greg Burhalter i think there is a reason why they took as much time as they possibly could i mean keep in mind that you know jesse's still getting paid right greg berhalter his contract was up at the end of the year so he has taken the last six months off and has not gotten paid with the hopes that this might come back to him not with the assurances that it's going to but just with the hope that what we hear is rumored is going to happen was going to happen and who knows maybe he gets up tomorrow and says it was worth that six months and i waited it out and whatever i did in the uh, in the interview process with uh, the uh with mr crocker and uh and others um i showed that yes i made mistakes yes i have flaws but all in all, I was the best possible candidate. And it will be interesting if they do tell us some of the other names. But like I said, that's it's not quite the way things are done, ultimately. I don't know. I don't know. Let's take some more questions, shall we, Mossy? Yeah, I just want to, on, on
1: yeah, yeah, our we, last pod... Keep talking um, while I'm... Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of Steel Tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers, to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS-56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS-56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, i getting some
2: people here.
3: On our last pod, I asked both you and Stu whether Burhalter and Gio Rainer could put their differences aside, and you both said absolutely. Uh, I do wonder, though. I know Doug McIntyre is in Vegas tonight, trying to track down Gio Reyna to get a quote from him on this Berhalter stuff. Uh, I am fascinated by how that's going to play out.
2: I mean, look—it's it, you don't visit, you know visit the uh, the sins of in this case the mother and the father upon the kid. And uh, he's he's a great player, um, and I think he's going to be important going on. Yeah, you know, Stu and I I think immediately agreed that you said. They'll figure it out. They will work it out. Will the relationship ever be the same? No. Will the relationship between the Reynas and the holders ever be the same? No. But this is what happened when, uh, you know, when the Reynas decided to do uh, what they did. But, you know, it, it, again, this goes back to I didn't wa- I didn't want that behavior to ultimately win and in this decision, if this turns out to be true, it, it, it didn't win. And, you know, they will have a relationship. And I'm sure Greg Burhalter will sit down with you and say, listen, the slate is clean. I need you because you're a great player. I need you going forward to get better. I am going to treat you with respect. You will play if I believe that you deserve to play and you make our team better and you help me win games. And guess what? If and when I decide that you're not playing, or you're not starting, or you're not, you know, you're not dressing, or whatever it is, it's not punitive. It has nothing to do with our relationship. Now he's a human being, and so we all carry our baggage. I get that, but he's also a professional, and he is also still under pressure—pressure pressure to get results. And they can, uh, they can get results when it comes uh, to this U.S. team, I think, and better results and more positive results when they do have uh, Gio Reyna involved. And so he's going to be involved going forward. So, and, and I wouldn't even be surprised at some point, while it's harder, you know, the Reyna's and the Berhalter's, who by all accounts had been friends for a long time, sit down. And, you know, nobody will ever fully be forgiven. And certainly never is this ever going to be forgotten. But is it fractured to the point where you can't, let bygones be bygones, and you can't move on with life. I, I don't know. I'm not in that dynamic, but stranger things have happened. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, let's go out to, uh, talk to some other people here. Well, let's go talk to Yank Report. How about Yank? Yank Report. There we go. There we go. That's what I'm talking. Alexi hey my friend how are you i'm good man i haven't spoken to you in a long time it's a it's a i know well well are you good uh, because you know there's a whole faction out there of people that are uh you know drowning their sorrows or screaming into a pillow right now worried about uh, the rumor uh, that uh, evidently tomorrow morning or tomorrow at some point, Greg Berhalter is going to be announced as the new, or, or I guess the returning, New U.S. Men's National Team. Coach.
6: Yeah, I mean, my position has always been that I think that we really overrate the impact of a national team coach. I just don't think that it matters as much as we give it credit for. It's all yeah. going to be determined okay. by the quality of the players that we have. And I think we saw, okay. by adding Balogun with a healthy Gio Reyna and just another two years under all these players. I mean, things are looking really good right now.
2: Uh, Okay. I mean, so let me ask you the question that we asked earlier on the pod here. So um, yes, there are some other options when it comes to center backs going forward, but for the most part, this is the starting ish 11, except for Tyler Adams. So what happens when Tyler Adams is back? Are there any changes either? Are you taking one person out or maybe somebody else that that you would like to see? Like if this was a world cup game and everybody was healthy, who would you have in your starting 11? I think that's that's the million dollar question moving forward. I think that right
6: now, I think against a better opponent or, or a superior opponent to us, I think you have to have the MMA midfield. I think that that's okay. still our best bet moving forward. And I think with the addition of Balogun, it makes it much more balanced because we have that ability to get in behind. So you actually can play like Polisic and Reyna as your wide players and have Balogun in the middle because Balogun's going to provide that. that Verticality.
2: So you're taking Timothy Wea yeah, out. Because
6: Weah was our verticality got guy, it. we don't necessarily need him as much anymore because we've got a speedster up front in the forward position who can provide that. So
2: ah, okay. little, All I, right. I think
6: so it's he... a little bit more balanced that way. Uh, okay. We right. cross that bridge when we come to it. I'm curious about your thoughts okay. on, uh, I mean, we just ran over Mexico and we've been beating the brakes off of Mexico. And it's not just us. Like a lot of CONCACAF has caught up. Is this, is this evidence of Mexico? being really bad Mexico being the worst they've been in a generation or is it more the rest of CONCACAF has caught up what's what's happening here
2: I don't know I mean I'm not internal when it comes to Mexico I do think that American soccer has been you know despite the fact that we love to kick ourselves for what we haven't done has been on an accelerated program and process for now a number of decades you know even even the generation that we're seeing right now, it it was it was born out of probably the worst moment in U.S. soccer, not qualifying for the 2018 World Cup. But those seeds were planted. And so maybe we are, you know, we're reaping the rewards uh, and sowing all of those uh, incredible benefits that were you know, worked on oftentimes quietly and behind the scenes. So I, I, I do think that as a soccer culture, we are bigger. And are, I think we are we are moving at a much more rapid pace, and much more difficult for, say, a Mexico to keep up with. Now there will be games, and they will they will try, but I mean I I don't think that we're going to look back, and that's a you know that's a good thing for us. Maybe it's not a good thing for Mexico, and we do still need Mexico uh, when it comes to all of these relationships that uh, uh, that we have. I don't know, Mossy, What do you think? I've long had
3: this theory. Now, I know you bristle sometimes at the suggestion that you have to go to Europe to develop as a player. But I think the U.S. has bought into that to a greater degree than Mexico, uh, perhaps because MLS can attract better foreigners than Liga MX can to fill the void. It's given license for MLS to become a selling league when it comes to American players. When there's any young, really talented, up-and-coming American player now, it's just assumed he's going to go to Europe. Well, that's not the case in Mexico because they know if they sell all their good Mexican players, that league is going to crater. So they're a bit reluctant to go down that path. And so a lot of these guys end up staying and, in my view, stagnating in their development, the Charlie Rodriguez, Sebastian Cordova, Roberto Alvarado, many others we can name. So I think that's part of it. I think U.S. players are just developing better than Mexicans. And you look at the two lineups tonight— And the the club pedigree, there's no contest. The U.S. has all these players that are playing in top leagues in Europe. Mexico doesn't have nearly as many.
2: I do think that's part of this whole equation. Yeah, I I would absolutely buy that. So, you know, I only bristle in the fact that I don't think that that is the only way to go. But I absolutely will recognize that, you know, all of these pathways, all of these opportunities. You know, I've, I've said before that, you know, there was a time, you know, back in the 1900s when I was running around that, you know, I had to... I had to run around in a World Cup just to get the opportunity to go to Europe. And we have young players right now, to your point, that are already being scouted and already giving, being given opportunities at a very young age. Before they have done anything, some of them not even stepping on the field when it comes to, uh, to Major League Soccer and even bypassing that. So, yeah, and, and then getting these, uh, getting these good opportunities and the core of this team absolutely is playing uh, over in Europe although most of them at some point have come in contact and have been impacted in a positive way uh, through MLS so MLS can certainly you know check that off and use that as a feather in the in the cap but to your point there was also a long time where the the, the amount of money that the, uh, that Mexican players were able to make didn't always make sense and when it came to a lot of US players it was dramatically different in terms of the amount of money that, that they could make and so who knows maybe that changes the pendulum going forward if and when MLS is starting to pay money that's uh with around the world, maybe fewer of them go over. Now, does that, again, change that pendulum going back? I don't know. I don't know. Anything else, my friend? No, that was it. I mean,
6: it's not just the USA. I mean, you look at the Canada-Panama game. I mean, Karaskia for Panama was tremendous. He's playing for Houston, and Canada has all kinds of players who were either currently playing for MLS or came through the academy. So, it seems like the, the academy system is just lifting up all these shifts and cock and it's not going well for Mexico right now. But anyway, I, I always appreciate but I show.
2: But I thought we sucked as a as a soccer nation. I thought everything was in the sugar, sh- and I thought uh, nothing was going right, and we can't get out of our own way, and we don't know about coaching and pay-to-play and blah, blah, blah. You're saying that we're actually – Okay, Alexi, I'm saying, I mean, a lot of these players
6: are, are being developed in, in Concacaf. Whether that's uh, <laughs> that's Alfonso Davies, who's, I mean, the yep. best player. I mean, there's a couple players on El Tree's roster that were developed in uh, in MLS academies. I mean, it's it,
2: it's hard to ignore at this point. Well, we, we are rising all ships in that we are making the, uh, you know, the region better. And that's a good thing. And maybe, who knows, at times maybe we can be the architects of our own demise, but it's better. We want a more competitive uh, CONCACAF. And if that comes by the opportunities that we provide from a Major League Soccer perspective, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, my friend, it's always good talking Absolutely. to you. All right, Sam's the best. Love him. Love him. Love him. All right, let's see. I think we take a few more questions. Getting ready to take on spring?
1: Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Questions, right, Mossy? Yeah, right. Yep. Right, here we go. Let's uh, let's. Uh, how about we go to Jonathan Price? All right, Jonathan. Jonathan, unmute yourself and speak. There we go. Hey, what's hey, up? can you hear me? I can, loud well, and awesome. clear.
7: Hey, thanks for having me on.
2: No problem. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm
7: calling from uh, Fort Moore, Georgia.
2: All right. All right. What do you want to talk about?
7: Hey, um, so I just wanted to kind of hit on tonight, um, and it's just the behavior of the Mexican fans and the status of mm-hmm. their team. How can we actually expect for the USSF to co-host a World Cup with them in, mm-hmm. in 2026?
2: I mean, I think a World Cup game will be very, very different. Uh, and, the, you know, the atmosphere and the dynamic is very different than a U.S.-Mexico game is is this anything we haven't seen before? Unfortunately, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, actually the uh, uh, the broadcast did a good job of kind of framing it as it gets even worse when you're getting your ass kicked 3 nothing. That's not an excuse by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but it, it which just a reality of, you got a lot of people uh, together. We all know that when people are in a group, they will do things that they often wouldn't dare do individually, and that uh you know that mob type of uh of behavior that uh, is unfortunately at times human uh but i don't think ultimately that's that's going to happen now what these are not great scenes we have seen this type of stuff before and what happens uh the federation gets fine talking about the, the mexican federation uh can get fined when it comes to to us soccer will they be concerned that these types of scenes? play out during a world cup yeah but again i i i am not worried about the world cup and that's no and, and no way am i excusing what happened tonight or what unfortunately uh, happens often when it's a, a u.s mexico game but just the whole feel of the uh, of a u.s mexico game is just very very different than a uh, a world cup environment so I, th- I think the world cup is going to be fine i think hosting it with Mexico and with Canada is going to be fine. The security will uh, will be in place. And, you know, if something like that were to, uh, were to happen during a World Cup, there are protocols in place. And we saw it actually applied tonight. And it can get incredibly frustrating from a viewer perspective seeing this play out. And, you know, you want them to keep going. But at some point, you have to do the things to modify behavior. And, yeah, it might take multiple times and it might take multiple games and it might take ultimately, you know, suspensions and more than fines right now. I hope that it doesn't, but you know, this is the, the situation. You think it's going to be a problem in the world? Cup?
7: I, I don't. Um, and I'm glad you kind of reaffirmed that. Um, looking to 2026 for this team that we have currently, we're looking at this being a touch point and a touchstone to develop our game for further and for the national team, right uh, across a major okay. stage um yep. and but just when you see you know the events that happen tonight one um it leaves a bad taste in your mouth um especially for the a massive tournament like this is um going into a summer of soccer that we're going into where we have both our a team and you know b or c team playing later on in june um it, yeah. it just uh it it doesn't look good for Whenever we're trying to use 2026 to per- push this nation to that next level, as you as you've mentioned before, and um, especially and this was the premier night to show off Balagon, um, yeah, and which started yeah. the fight that got the first we saw the first two red cards. So if I was a if I was a new fan watching tonight. I I kind of be looking at my hands here and being like is 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 this what concacaf is? Is this what they allow? You, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I know. But there's there's also plenty of people that will look at this as the perfect enca- encapsulation of you know the uh, the passion and the heat involved in a US Mexico game that that they like. Now I'm not talking about the you know the chanting and that kind of yeah. stuff, but they there's there is a strange romance to it's not strange I mean we we all get like intensity and all that kind of stuff and that's ultimately you know that's what was on display tonight and it has to be done within reason you have to be you know respectful to the extent that you can but even you know Weston McKinney and, and and you know, ripping his shirt and then kissing the badge and getting sh- stuff thrown at him. And all that kind of, it all plays into this ongoing story and back and forth. You know, the problem that I see is when it comes to the Mexican-American community and fans of El Tree that are, you know, in the stadium that are Americans, but they have their affiliation and their love. And listen, this is nothing new. I've, I've lived in this country for over 50 years and we get it. We understand it, especially if you play for the U.S. You understand it. And, and I I I have come to grips with it and I and I can understand exactly what is happening. But it's a bad look for that community. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing. If you uh, you know, if you are in the Mexican-American community and this type of stuff is happening, that's not what you want to see. That's not the type of message that you want to to give. You want to give, you know what, this is, you know, this is my, uh, you know, the place that I was born, the place that I love, or the place that my family comes from. And I want to go out and support this team. And I want to do it with, you know, with passion and uh, being vociferous in terms of my support. But that's not a, That's not the message that you want, that ultimately, whether it's fair or not, is going to come to represent Mexican-Americans uh, in that stadium at that time, cheering for the Mexican team. And ultimately, we're all Americans. And we all have our different affiliations because that's who we are uh, as a melting pot. But when something like that happens in a U.S.-Mexico game and it's the Mexican fans that are having you know, the offensive chant or oh, throwing stuff or starting stuff in the stands, all that kind of stuff. That that's that's bad, and I would be worried from a community perspective that they are not putting the best look out there. Mossy, anything? Uh, can I just say the lack of common
3: sense from the referee? Did we need twelve minutes of second half stoppage time? <laughs> I mean, th- it's a powder keg. You've already had four red cards. You've got homophobic chants. It's three nil. Just get the players off the field already. I and mean, yeah. That was
2: ridiculous. I know, I know. But, you know, this and then people scream and yell and, hey, we could have come back and all that. I know they they did what they needed to do. And he did ultimately uh, ultimately blow it. Mossy, anything, uh, you know, because I, I got I got a feeling that tomorrow <laughs> we will be we will be talking more about uh, this national team and the United States Soccer Federation. And the decisions that were made uh, and the last six months. And are we headed in the right direction? And you know, I will be one of those that are talking about it. But I, I, will, I will leave you with this. And I want to hear you know, your final uh, you know, wrap-up of the night. But we are heading into an incredible three years. There is so much to be excited about. There is so much to be proud about. There is so much to look forward to. And I don't want that to get lost. And I'm sure tomorrow there will be people, if Greg Berhalter is renamed as the coach, that will scream and yell and say this is the end of days, and how dare we do this and what a waste of time. And I'm confused and I don't understand what's going on. And we just we have to get through that and then move on. And I'm not saying that Greg Burhalter deserves. A pass and that it should be blind faith in what's going on but if this is the human being that is going to lead us into what is an incredibly important moment in time from a soccer perspective then I will give him my support I'll be critical when necessary and I will hold his feet to the fire when it comes to uh, performance but ultimately I want my U.S. team to do well and if this is the coach I want my U.S. coach to do well and I will support him if he is the uh, coach as I would support anybody else who would uh, who would be named as the uh, as the coach. These are this is good things. This is a positive moment in soccer in which we are living in. And it's only going to get better over the next three years. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Mossy.
3: Yeah, I'm shocked at the way this came about, but had none of this of stuff happened and just days after the 2022 World Cup, the U.S. Soccer Federation had announced that Greg Berhalter was staying, it would have been a questionable choice, but a defensible choice. He's a much better coach than he's given credit for on Twitter he did a pretty good job in the last cycle and I think he'll continue to do a pretty good job and he, and as we've talked about he had certainly has the talent to work with so yep. I still look at this as a very exciting time for US soccer moving forward and and should still have the highest of expectations you shouldn't let this Greg Berhalter thing bring you down too much I agree with you I hope people don't react
2: that way tomorrow when this is announced Hey uh Mahasi, I, I just I mean if he's announced tomorrow does he coach the final uh, they were discussing
3: that, uh, tonight, uh, they, their information is no, that he's not going to coach the final or the gold cup, that they're going to stick to the original plan of having BJ Callahan coach, uh, this summer. And then Alter would take over after that. That's what they were speculating about on TV, but we'll see if
2: Th- that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. All right. Well, never a dull moment. We do okay. live in interesting times. What's that Must? Uh, can I
3: just say one last thing? Are we wrapping yes, up here? Of course. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Um uh, Sean Sullivan is on vacation, so we had the tag team of Kiara and Kaz uh, producing this spaces. They did an outstanding job, so hats off to them. Uh, but this was a rough night for Kiara because she is a Mexico fan. Her mother is from Guadalajara, so I hopped on this uh, the Zoom before you. Man, she was hurting. I asked her if she wanted to come on the spaces and talk about the game, and she said absolutely not. She was uh, in agony.
2: Oh goodness! Uh, as I said before. It, it never gets old. It feels so good. And I, and may that pendul- pendulum never swing back to Mexico. May we dominate them for years and years to come. And and listen, it might just be around the corner when we got another opportunity to uh, go head-to-head in the Gold Cup. If everything works out, who knows? Maybe we're looking at a final of a Gold Cup with the U.S. Uh, and Mexico. Maybe it's coached by BJ. Maybe it's coached by Greg Berhalter. Who the hell knows anymore? But you know what? We got good things to look forward to, whether it's this summer with the summer of soccer and all that's going on. And certainly over the next three years leading into 2026, I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. I love it. The fact that uh, you're asking questions. I know there's a lot of other people and we could go on and on for hours and hours and hours. We will continue to do stuff. We will continue to have the uh, state of the union out uh, each and every week. We appreciate everybody that downloads and listens and rates and subscribes and does all the different, uh, different things. We'll talk to you again uh, next week. And, uh, these are, these are good times, my friend. These are good times. Until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.